Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the editor-in-chief for Imperial Esports, and welcome to another edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. It is time for the Week 4 preview for the European LCS. We've got three exciting teams to talk about today, uh, and I am joined on the other line, as always, by my good friend, Walter Fetchuk. Walter, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's been, uh, it's been, it was an interesting weekend trying to catch up on all these games once I got back on Monday, so... Uh... <laughs> I'm excited to say I did catch up on all the games, and I'm excited to talk about some European League of Legends. Well, it's it's glad to see that you're excited, because after last week's power rankings you did for Slingshot Esports, I was starting to worry that Europe had lost you entirely. But it seems like, I think this week was more fun, as far as games are concerned. Oh, absolutely. It was definitely more entertaining. Um, the, my problem with Europe... And maybe it didn't come across the best way in the article, but I, well, if you read the origin section where I basically say yada, 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 am I repeating myself yet? That's, that's how I feel about Europe. I feel <laughs> like it's constantly repeating myself that no one's really fixed any of the primary issues in their team. And even some teams have exposed some new little issues. Like I think H2K showed a couple flaws this past week, but uh, we're not going to talk about to them today. We're going to talk about some of the middle of the road teams. Well, I was going to say, like, you're talking about there weren't any surprises. We've got Unicorns of Love as the first of the three teams we're talking about today. Like, that, this is a team I think is safe to say we did not think was going to be 4-2 heading into the split. But here we are, and they've done it with some decisive shot calling and some things that we just haven't seen from this team, even when they were at their peak during the spring split of last year. So, Walter, when you look at this team and the development that we've seen from them, what do you think is the biggest shift in terms of their overall strategy that's allowed them to get to this point? So what it comes down to is that they've had a very aggressive kind of early game jungler, uh, whether it's been uh, Diamond Prox or whether it's been Joko. Uh, Both Diamond Prox and Joko have 100% first blood participation, which means that Unicorns of Love have a hundred percent first blood. Every single game they've gotten first blood. It's all about having very early aggression, usually going into the top lane, trying to get uh, trying to get Visichachi ahead. But at this moment, he's only got fifty percent. So half of their games they're going up top. Half of their games they're going to the support slash eighty carry lane, and then Fox is trailing with only a third of the games, and he's usually gotten them on roams. He's usually been you know roaming bot, roaming top to help follow up ganks, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So they've really been trying to make their mark of stepping out to this early lead and then having these, uh, having these positive gold differences and positive CS differences, except in the mid lane, Fox is lagging behind his teammates a little bit and getting these leads and just trying to start pushing and using their experience shot calling from Hillison and, and what was Diamond Prox to open up the map, control objectives, and kind of push from there. Uh, I think Steelback has been having a great year. He's been playing a lot of very Kitey-style champions, a lot of Kalista, a lot of Ezreal, and that's really fit into what the team has wanted to do of controlling team fights and, and making sure that, that Steelback stays safe. There was the game against Fnatic, where they're fighting around the Baron pit and he somehow gets all the way into the, the river brush, brush up by top lane and barely survives. And then Unicorns of Love are able to clean up that team fight, get Baron, and then just kind of roll over the rest of the game. So it's been these sort of controlled chaos team fights where, where Steelback is able to peel for himself, is able to move away from damage dealers, move away from people that are diving him, and, and kind of go from there. Yeah, it's been really interesting to just see how all of these pieces have come together. Because on paper, 
these weren't pieces that we necessarily assumed were going to come together as well. Obviously, you know, it was nice to see Diamond return to form and, and seeing Joko come in, who, for the record, I don't care what happens to him for the rest of the split. We're going to be seeing this guy in the LCS in the summer, almost guaranteed. I mean, the way he was able to play, whether Millennium gets in or not, he will get signed. Uh, and it was fun watching just the objective control that both of those junglers have shown. You know, it never feels like the enemy jungle is safe when these guys are around. And the ganks have gone off well. Vizis Tachi has shown that if you give him that bit of a lead, he can get things going. And I do believe you're right in saying that Steelback has finally figured out how he needs to play in order to help clean up some of these team fights. And when you look at what they did in game one against Elements, it just felt like this steamroll of a game, honestly. It, it looked like, I mean, obviously the Elements draft there was particularly weak, but when you just look at, you know, what they were able to accomplish, you know, they put Fox on this victor, which is a, you know, comfort champion for him, uh, felt very natural in that regard. Uh, Steelback and Hillisang were constantly split pushing, which just was so much fun to just see the pressure that he was able to put with that Callista. Walter, do you believe that Unicorns of Love won that game more than Elements lost it? Or is this the kind of thing that just happens when top to bottom you're able to have a higher quality of player than what your opponent's capable of throwing out there? So on the on the EU broadcasts, they talked about something called this like e, uh, Lulu trap. <laughs> where basically everyone values Lulu as a really strong, powerful pick, but you can leave her open against some of the less experienced teams, and either you're forcing them to pick a champion that they're not as skilled on, on a player that's not as good at it, or you get to get it back in the second round and you can build your composition further. And Elements fell into this sort of Lulu trap, and while they did end up getting the Lucian because Unicorns of Love prioritized Callista in that game, and Lulu and Lucian go really well together... Uh, Lucian isn't a really good Mr. Rawls champion. He's not a very cleanup, you know, sit back cleanup kind of AD carry. He's very aggressive. He wants to get in face. He wants to get, you know, dash forward, get double shot off, get light slinger off, get another double shot off, and utilize picks to get all this damage out on his opponent. Ika has not been the best of mid laners. He can get caught out quite a bit. You can really pressure his lane, which is something that Unicorns of Love tried to do. And, and Given that Lulu is a very safe champion, it's hard to really take advantage of that, but they really pressured him, tried to force him to move around. Uh, overall, it was just a very strong composition from Unicorns of Love, and Elements just was playing this composition that they're, they're really not familiar with on a champion that, again, Ika is probably not the most familiar with since she's a strong champion, but she floats so much back and forth between top and mid lane. So you could just really tell that Unicorns of Love were able to take advantage of the inexperience and just roll over that game because Lulu, Lucian, and Fiora are not this super strong early game composition. It's more of a mid to late game where you're trying to take advantage of all the AP gains that added to the utility in Lulu's kit. Yeah, well, it, it's funny, first of all, that you mentioned the Lulu trap because this is kind of what Unicorns of Love did themselves in game two of, the, uh, of this week against G2 Esports. They first picked the Lulu there, and I, I gotta be honest, I'm not sure I feel any better about Fox's Lulu than I did about Ika's. It was certainly a closer game, I think, when you look at, you know, step-by-step step how they were able to play against this G2 team. Certainly when you have Perks, who goes 14.5 KDA on Corky Midlane over the course of his two games, it's going to be hard to come up with great counters, but Fox just wasn't able to do anything here 
And you talk about Steelback having made this leap of playing these more versatile AD carries that can kind of kite around. Well, you'd think Ezreal would be that guy, but he also looked lost on that champion. So do you think, Walter, that this G2 game was an example of what happens when they get baited into their own tricks and they're not able to let their jungler start hard carrying these other lanes? Or do you think that this is, you know, a G2 team that was just executing perfectly on a quirky that, you know, 13-1-7, it's pretty hard to do better than that? So I don't think Unicorns of Love expected G2 to take Lucian, which is why I think they went Lulu. Um, it also exposes something about Corky not being in Fox's champion pool, which is something they really need to do. Because most most games, like you try and first pick the Corky, or you try and get Corky in like your first, you know, that first rotation. It really comes down to like Alistar and Corky are the two really really popular first picks, unless there's something crazy left open like Gangplank. If you look at that day, you had two Alistar first picks, a Corky first pick. And Lulu first picked. And the games where either Alistar or Lulu were first picked, you're still giving up these power picks in, in, in Corky Rek'Sai, Corky Lucian, Poppy Elise, which are all really strong champions on this patch. So Red Side still has an advantage. And when you're falling into this trap of picking the Lulu and, make, and not having an AD carry that works really well with it, I understand Lulu Fiora is supposed to be super strong because Fiora can make do with picks. But... Fiora just gets blown up really fast, and G2 had a really good counter in the Poppy and in the Braum, which if you're a Rapace, you know, the Poppy da- the Poppy Slam or the Braum Q, you still have Ultimate or you have one of the others to do with it. So <laughs> it was a really well-picked composition from G2, and Unicorns of Love fell kind of into a trap with their champion pools. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I think you make a good point there, where G2 just picked a very, very good draft. I mean, G2 has shown now, they're 5-1, and one. they had two really great wins this week, we now have to take them as a really legitimate threat moving forward. Whereas, you know, Unicorns of Love, they still have some kinks to work out. I, I think that one of the things we worried about coming into the season was, can Fox be the mid laner that they need him to be? And the answer is... Yes, when he's playing on something comfortable. And I think it puts them at a little bit of a a disadvantage that there's a very seemingly particular group of champions in which he plays well. And that might mean picking it earlier in a draft and allowing someone to have that extra counter. But you've got to play to your team's strengths. And honestly, you know, for for everything that I have to say about Unicorns of Love and that loss, Joko and Vizisachi still looked great. Um, They were playing the objective game very well. I always felt like Unicorns of Love had a chance to win all of these big objective-based fights. You know, it wasn't really until Perks just got way out of hand that I realized that Unicorns of Love had no shot here. But, you know, you let one guy get fed one game. I don't think that says everything about your team. And I do believe that the core of their strategy, which was this top jungle synergy and just having this aggressive jungler in general was enough to keep this team in the top half of the bracket. Now, unfortunately, Walter, the news has come out today, according to LOL Esports, that it will not be Diamond or Joko playing in the jungle. It will be Rudy, who a lot of people might not know who Rudy is. So really quickly, I'd love to hear... We don't know who he is. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) We don't know who he is. And I watch a lot of, this has been the joke on Twitter basically has been, I watch a lot of 
a lot about, you know, League of Legends. Uh, who is this guy? And according to some of the more in-the-know challenger people in, uh, in Europe, guys like Broken Shard, guys like Alicus, uh, guys like Quilk, uh, he's basically a challenger-level jungler who is known for being extremely toxic. The, the joke has basically been, hi, it's Rudy, jungle only. And now with the brand new dynamic Q system, you don't have to really worry about that all that much. But yeah, that he has this this propensity for being super super toxic, which which brings me to my favorite joke that has been on Twitter uh, from our good friend League Esan. Did Lolex die, or is he signed to a secret team? And that's kind of where I'm coming from. I know there's no jungle talent really in Europe. You already used Joko for a couple games, and he's probably the best jungler that you can really get. Did you not put out feelers to Giants and see if maybe Koo would be interested? Did you not go and see if Lolex is around? Like, really? You're, you're going to someone who's never played a professional game before? I'm, this is just really confusing to me. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I'd rather have anyone at this point than Koo because we know what Koo is and it's not good enough to be worth the problems that come with him. I mean, again, if Giants is saying no, no, we don't want to put up with this. That's not something you want to invite into your atmosphere. Now, if you're going to pick a guy like Rudy, who supposedly is this toxic person anyway, then yeah, I I guess I have some questions as to what you were hoping to accomplish. But I I could understand why not Koo. I don't understand why not Lulex. And heck, I don't understand why not Horo. I mean, Horo's listed as one of the substitutes for this team. Theoretically, he should be available. Otherwise, what's the point of having a substitute if you could just throw in literally anyone's name? This isn't Brazil. You just can't put veteran on your substitutes and just have that be okay. Like, I, I, I'm very surprised by this move, I guess is the best way to put it. How much, Walter, do you think it hurts this team as we go forward? Is this enough to really set them back in your mind as far as where they belong in the entirety of the European scheme. Well, I was worried when Joko came in, and, and Joko played a couple of good games. So I, I'm going to hold off judgment until I see them play a game. But when we get to the gambling odds, we'll, I, have a, I have a thought on one of the games that I'll share with you. That, that's fair. I, I'll say this. I had a lot more faith in Joko than I do in Rudy because I've seen Joko play and I know Joko was good. I have no idea if Rudy is good. No one seems to think that he's particularly good. So we'll see. It'll be fun. It'll be an adventure if nothing else. The unicorn, you know, we always rule out the unicorns and then the unicorns do pretty well regardless. So, you know, who knows? Maybe they've, they've found some secret diamond in the rough. Uh, But horrible puns aside, we are going to move on to Splice. Uh, a team that we put off talking about for a while because we were waiting for that one moment that would allow us to look like we weren't entirely crazy people when we talked about how much we loved Splice heading into the season. And against Giants, Senkux gave us that game, his beautiful LeBlanc game. Walter, is that the emergence of Senkux in your mind as a mid laner that is worth respecting and fearing in this regard? Or do you think this is... An anomaly until proven otherwise. Well, well, being the the Rockat fan that you are, of course, you forgot that he actually emerged in week two on the Ari against Rockat. I don't know what you're talking about. That game never happened. Yeah, exactly. But 
I mean, it, it, it did happen. It's on LOL Esports, and, and there's VODs of it. I'll link them to you afterwards. I know how much you love watching Rockat just kind of fall apart. It's great. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> so he showed a, a control on this game that was indicative of, of what we expected from him. We expect him to be the next Bjergsen, essentially. Young, Danish, prodigy mid laner playing on this team that has an animal as its logo and will eventually be playing on TSM in like a year. Cool. Whatever. This was the first two games that he really showed, the game against Rocket and the game against Giants, that really showed him elevate his game, take over a game, and basically, you know, 1v9. Uh, he showed a few flashes of that in other games, but this game and the Rocket game, and, and I'm going to go to my notes on them, were very simple, straightforward pick-and-ban phases. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll look at the game against Giants just in particular because that was week three. Giants fall into the Lulu Trap. Splice get Corky and Graves, two super power picks in jungle and mid lane or AD carry. Uh, I actually, when they picked Corky, I was more excited for maybe we're going to get to see Senkux play Corky, which was awesome, but Corky is flexible between mid lane or bot lane. They give up Lisa to Alistar, fine. Alistar's kind of a good disengaged pick, but right now Splice can go any direction they want with Corky and Graves. They can go poke, they can go team fight, they can go pick, they can do whatever they want. They get Fiora Morgana. Fiora, very strong uh, and, and kind of matches well into any champion that Giants can pick at that moment, except Poppy, but Poppy's banned. Uh, and Morgana, again, trying to keep your top laner, Fiora, and your 280 carries safe and away from crowd control, which Giants has quite a bit of. Giants take Lucian and Ari. Lucian, really strong power pick on this patch, especially when you, there's no Callista, no Corky. They could have gone to Caitlyn or, or Ezreal. I. The Ezreal, not picking Ezreal was what surprised me about Giants here, which we'll talk about later when we get to Giants. And then last picking Ari, Ari's kind of the toss-up of what you play, and it's a Peppy-style champion. And then you get the the matchup that Senkux played against with Ari. So he's shown both sides in the matchup, and he's really controlled his mid laner in both sides of this Ari-LeBlanc matchup. And it was a great pick composition, great roaming really controlling the map and giants has a, a hard problem with ward control and splice played around that just constantly roaming constantly controlling vision and then against fanatic splice went cute they went with this very cute like late scaling composition with double tier Ezreal and rise and then this lux pick at the end which senkux did pretty well on and this was a very kind of back and forth we're going to push a wave no we're going to push the wave back no we're going to push away we're going to push the wave back until Fanatic finally kind of cracked it open, and there were moments here where Splice looked like one or two different play calls, one or two different little map movements that if they they were a bit more experienced of a team, they probably would have made, and it very easily could have swung the other way, and they would have been the one that, you know, gets a team fight, cracks open the base, and, and runs away with it because they have this incredible wave clear. I think they just got too cute in their pick and ban phase, and that's one of the things that I that I have in my notes is they need to stay simple. Mm-hmm. You're a really young team. You're really inexperienced. The only player on your roster that has LCS level experience is Trashy, and he only has one split of it. So you need to put your team in a position where it's very simple champions. There's not these very complex concepts that they have to worry about in game, and it's very straightforward, very focused what they're supposed to do like with their team composition against Giants. That's fair. Here's my problem with that. You, you want to keep things simple, and they certainly have done that in their victories. Their victory condition has been, Senkux hard carries us to victory. I'm not sure any other victory condition is something that Splice is capable of right now. I mean, Wonderware, especially in that game against Fnatic, just looked absolutely lost. 
there was that great team fight in the mid lane where he was hanging out split pushing top. He didn't have teleport. And so he kept kind of wandering back and forth in the jungle, not sure whether he was supposed to come down or not. Mm-hmm. And I've just never seen that level of indecisiveness every game from a guy like that. I mean, in the, in game one against Giants, you know, we talk about, man, Senkux was great and he was doing all this split pushing. You know who wasn't split pushing? Wonderwear, who was on Fiora. That's really, really, really weird. You know, especially when he's going up against someone like Adam. It really should not have been a problem, and it was one. Uh, Nisbeth, I felt, really struggled this week uh, in both vision control, which against Fnatic I thought was atrocious against uh, some of these big objectives, especially the Baron calls that ended up pretty much costing them the game. Because as you said, it was pretty back and forth for a bit. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have to ask, Walter... Is there anyone else on this team who's capable of stepping up? I think the other person you have to look at is Trashy. Trashy's had a couple of pretty pretty good games. Um, a couple of good plays in some of the games that they've lost. And he's got to be that experienced shot, you know, shot caller in the games. Nisbeth and Wonderware, and even Kabe. Kabe has had some, again, some good plays, some bad plays, some indecisiveness, not quite knowing what he's doing. And that's sort of been the story. Senkux is, is, I jokingly put, we're not worthy after that Giants game in my notes. Mm-hmm. Just to remind myself, hey, he played an incredible game here. <laughs> but then anytime I watch them, it's very like everyone else is kind of a step behind him or two steps behind him. And then it takes one person to take like a half step forward to make themselves known. So in the game against Giants, it was really about Senkux and Trashy. And in the game against Rocket, it was really about Senkux and Trashy. It was all, you know, Trashy taking that little step forward, and then, you know, against Fnatic, everyone stepped back into line, and Senkux is only a, a step ahead of everyone at this point. So, it, someone else has to make a breakthrough for this team to really go anywhere, and I just haven't seen anyone outside of Trashy even show an ability to to have a flash of brilliance. Yeah, it's it's rough, and it's, you know, I think Trashy is... One of the more interesting things that you can point to uh, as far as this team goes. I think he's gotten a couple ganks off that have worked when it's involved with Senkux. But, you know, even when he gets Wonderware a kill, it doesn't seem like Wonderware knows what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Kabi and Nisbeth just don't seem to have that kind of synergy that you need to get the picks in the, in the lane or have some nice dragon controller. Even just simply, you know, when, when you look at these team fights and, and how you need to kite and how you need to get that damage down. It always seems like Nisbeth is missing whatever CC he needs to hit for that fight to go down well. And Kabi's in the back just not getting nearly the amount of damage done because he just doesn't have the positioning yet. And it just does feel like – it feels like a team that is very, very new and inexperienced and just doesn't have – that kind of macro level play. And it leads me to ask one final question before we move on. Is this a Yamato cannon problem? Because these are the kinds of issues we were talking about when we talked about Rawcat at the beginning of the summer split, where it just seemed like their rotations were bad. Their vision was off. You know, the bot lane wasn't coming together the way that we wanted, at least right away. Is, is this a problem that's indicative of, of that kind of larger issue? Or do you think this is, Players that just aren't at that level yet showing these kinds of nerves when they hit the big stage. 
I, I think its primary players just aren't at that level yet, and, and Yamato Cannon has to adjust his coaching style to realize that these players aren't at that level to play these complex compositions where they need to be doing multiple things at once. So he needs to go down. He needs to look at what his team is capable of doing. I think right now they've shown they are a pick-style team, and he needs to pick them compositions that do that. He needs to set them up with champions that can do that and not go for these funky little, all right, well, let's go Ezreal Rise and we'll just use Lux Wave Clear to you know, keep pushing everyone until we hit our, hit our break point, which they got close to. They, like I said, there were a couple of different, te- you know, a couple of team fights going their way away from swinging it back the other way because they were both these Pope disengage style compositions. Mm-hmm. But he needs to make things simple for them and it might need to come down to, okay, let's get Senkux to carry. Let's build a composition around Senkux carrying. And I don't know exactly how to do that. I'm not a coach. I'm not an analyst in that way where I'm going to be looking at every single game and pick banning and doing all that stuff. But that's where I think this team needs to just suck it up, say, okay, this is how we're going to win our games. Let's go for it. And then in scrims, sprinkle in, okay, now do we feel really good about playing this sort of disengaged style poke scaling composition? Do we feel better about playing double split push where we have Lissandra and Zed or Lissandra and Kasten or Zed and Kasten or whatever? Do we want to play poke? Do we want to do this? Do that in scrims and stay with what works just so you can stay out of relegations. Maybe you sneak into the playoffs with the way that some of these other teams have fallen off. But again, the goal for all these teams is stay out of relegations. Mm-hmm. I agree with you wholeheartedly there. It, it does seem like, especially some of these these team compositions, week one, it really felt like Yamato Cannon was trying to play them like they were you know, a more experienced team, like it was the old Rocket roster. A lot of you know, scaling, a lot of you know, composition, you know, tricky compositional things that this team just wasn't ready for. And I do feel like this week, it's hard to say this week with the exception of one of the two games that they played, but it did feel like Giants was a movement in that regard. And against Fnatic in game two, they just kind of had this feeling like, look, we're not going to win the early game, so maybe we can scale late, maybe we can win there. But if anything, what we've learned is that Splice isn't going to win the late game. They're not going to be the ones that are able to scale up, because if you don't give them the power they need early they're going to fall behind. So I, I almost want them to take a page from the G2 playbook, which obviously I don't think any of these individuals are on G2's level with the exception of maybe Senkux right now. But it's just this idea of play aggressive, play early, and hope that you can get Senkux a lead that he can snowball, or at the very least get guys like Kabi and Wonderware enough of a lead so that when they start struggling in the mid to late game, they still have enough intrinsic power to add that value to their team. Well, here's the funny thing. The statistics actually are not correct on that. If we <laughs> look at Oracle's Elixir and our good friend Tim Sevenhusen, his early game rating and mid to late game rating, you'll find that Splice has the worst early game rating out of any team in the, uh, the European LCS, and they have the fourth worst mid to late rate game rating out of the LCS. Their mid-late game rating is better than these three teams. Rock App, Giants, and Origin. Interesting little stat nugget there that I just wanted to pull up. And welcome to the beauty of sample size. <laughs> I, I, I mean, look, I, honestly, the thing about Splice is that when they lose, they lose really badly. And a lot of it yeah. is because they pick these late-game scaling comps. They have no power in the early game, and teams can just punish them hard. You need to pick a composition that allows you to play early because you will not win late at this point in these guys' career. And as you said, it's not about 
you know, what's going to make all of these guys the best players at the end of the split? Because guess what? If you're re-signing guys like Wonderware for round two next split, I don't care what you do. You're not getting very far in the LCS as a whole. What you need to do right now is make sure you maintain your spot, figure out what you have, and then you replace what you don't because you have an entire offseason between the spring and the summer to do that. And right now, your survival is getting Senkux as many resources as possible. So just do it. Just allow that to be your thing. Don't shy away from it. Don't overthink it. Just do what needs to get done. And that transitions us into a team that doesn't seem to be able to get anything done. Giants Gaming. The 0-6 Giants Gaming. I, you know, we were looking to, to prep for this, and we, we made a rule at the beginning. We were going to talk about every team as equally as we could. Since we're doing three teams a week, that meant we had to get rid of, you know, we had to do all 10 first before we repeated anybody. But I got to be honest, Walter, if you were to start with a positive, what's the positive you point to for this team? Andre? Just straight up. Andre, I think, is one of the most improved players of the split for me. If I'm if I'm going to be be honest about it, he's still dying a lot, but he has really good kill participation. Uh, his laning phase is actually pretty good. He's you know leading his team basically in damage. He's he's playing fairly well for what he is, and that's because the champions that he's good at, the Ezreals, the Corkies, the Lucians, these kind of dash skirting around team fight eighty carries are what he's really good at, and they're in vogue right now. So he's actually doing pretty well, and he has the highest kill participation out of any AD carry in Europe, and that's ahead of Riles and, and Kabe. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's great, and even last week, statistically, he was one of the top five AD carries in Europe. That's fallen off a little bit. He's, he's still a very good AD carry, but because of how many times he's died, it's starting to drag him down mm-hmm. uh, in terms of his KDA, in terms of just you know overall his death percentage for the team, these kind of statistics... And I think that the problem is that he is not supposed to be the carry on a team because he dies so much. He's like Wild Turtle, where he gets super aggressive, he gets a kill, but then he trades himself, and then ha- you know one of your damage dealers is gone. And right now, he is the primary damage dealer on this on this Giants roster, and he doesn't have anybody else to you know sort of back him up. Uh, Adam is just not a very good, very good player. He's just not. And I, it's unfortunate, you know, every once in a while you get these guys that you pull right out of solo queue and they, they tend to, you know, they work out. Marin, for instance, you pull them out of solo queue onto SK, uh, T1S and he was pretty good. Everybody was dubbing him the next faker. Boom. He, you know, he shows up. He's great. World championship MVP. Wonderful. Now he goes to LGD and he's terrible. Uh, and, and Adam is not Marin in any sense of the word. He's not even close to Marin. Uh, but he's just not good. He's just not LCS level. He's just not making great plays. He has a KDA of 1.2, which when you're on the worst team in the LCS, it's it's you know it, it's easy to be that low. Uh, out of all the KDAs in Europe, the bottom four are all Giants players, and one of them is Beton Jacques. It goes Beton Jacques, Adam, X Pepe, and Koo, which brings up I think the key point for Giants is that Pepe has fallen off the face of the earth. I don't know what happened to him, but he is terrible this split. Well, and the thing is about him, right, is that he didn't always look like he was checked out at the beginning of the split. He had that great Velkaz game uh, against the Unicorns of Love, I believe it was, in week one, (laughs) where they were constantly picking these fights in the jungle. He was landing great ultimate after great ultimate. And what became clear very quickly is that 
it just didn't matter what he did. The team wasn't going to be able to back him up. There was nothing that we, you know, there was no help coming along the way. And Adam would die constantly because he was out of position. You know, Audrey, you're you're higher on him than I am. I I liked what he did in their game against Splice, but I haven't seen him have a great game against a high quality AD carry. And against Vitality, they, he just got destroyed. I mean, Vitality was able to pick his positioning to shreds. And I can't imagine any of these, you know, most of the teams in the, in the split, I believe, are going to be able to punish him for that. I think Xpeppy's just checked out. I mean, you look at the duel he had against Nuke Duck in that game against Vitality. He literally loses a duel and gives up a solo kill on what was a two-for-one in Giant's favor because he flashes for no reason and allows... Nuke Duck takes to have a tower the ability shot. to turn it around. It just it made no sense. I mean, at the very least, you, that was the only way that Nuke Duck could gain enough health so that the Ignite didn't kill him, and you did it. It was a failure all around, even if somehow the tower hadn't killed him. I, I just... Do you think that this is an ex-Peppy problem just within his own play, or do you think these are mental mistakes that come from being on a team that just doesn't look like they have a lot of hope right now? I... I mean, for someone who people were arguing was turning into a great mid laner in summer and took this team almost single-handedly, and, and by the end of the split in summer, Audrey had started to, to carry his weight, and that's really what got them to the playoffs, was this duo. I, there's no excuse for it. He can still play the, the control kind of pokey mid laners. Like, he can play the Ezreals. He can play Corky. He hasn't played Corky, and Corky is, like, one of the best mid laners right now, and it fits perfectly into his wheelhouse. I... Some of it may be pick and ban. Some of it may be pick and ban base, but I there's no excuse for this in my opinion. This is this is a a guy that we were hyping up last year. He was one of the most improved mid laners in Europe last year. And bring on the beep. He looks like shit. he does not look like he should be in the LCS right now. And whether it's that he's mentally checked out, whether it's because the team around him isn't very good, I I don't have a clue. But honestly, where he was last summer, it's it's ridiculous that this is how far he's fallen off absolutely ridiculous it's disappointing and honestly it's unbelievable as in i literally do not believe he is this bad overnight and that's why i bring out the mental kind of things because you're right he has plenty of champions that should be fine in this meta he has plenty of plays that he should be able to make and every once in a while you'll see a flash he'll do something quite smart in a team fight or whatever but it's just Time and time again, his positioning isn't what it should be. And, you know, you just look at his face after games and just look at, you know, just the mental anguish that seems to be pervading this whole team. And then you ask yourself, like, are we really surprised that they're struggling as much as they are? Are we really surprised that ex-Pepe would be dropping off that bad when this is the environment they're in week after week? But, you know, I'm going to read this out to you, Walter, and I'm going to need a bleep for myself here because these are the word-for-word notes that I wrote after the Vitality game. Quote, Adam is a f***ing terrible top laner, making about five bad plays for every decent one. Godfrey's vision game is horrendous, continually costing his team opportunities to pick fights that matter. Ex-Pepe alternates between being checked out on duels he should never screw up and looking like the only solid piece on this team desperately trying to stand out. Audrey is out of position constantly and never seems to appreciate the true threat the opposing team presents. Their drafts are terrible, somehow forgetting that Gangplank was a thing and first rotation picking Morgana for no reason. 
The only thing that's mildly interesting about this team is Patong Jacques, and the most interesting part about him is that he's surprisingly competent so far. I hate that I spent even 26 minutes watching a team whose strongest asset by far is their social media team. They've got more issues than I could count if I had eight hands worth of fingers. I'm done, and so are they. Do you have any counterargument to anything I just said? I I think the only time we've ever seen Pepe as marginally competent this season was the Velkaz game, and I think it was just people don't know what Velkaz does and underestimated his damage. I... <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, uh, can I, we just say how sad it is that I just said so many negative things about this team, and the one thing you could find to argue with was, I don't know, maybe that slightly positive thing you said really wasn't that true. Like I, that's that's like, where we are with Giants. There's nothing. Like like, like I said though, I'm I'm a little higher on Andre. I I think Andre is actually playing fairly well, and he's sort of other than the fact that they aren't winning games, he's sort of like Pepe was towards the beginning of last summer. Was that he's or, or even last spring, where he's the only one on the team that's really doing anything, and yeah, he gets caught out. That's what happens when you're an overly aggressive eighty carry. That 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 is what happens. You know, usually it's great to have a team that can back you up behind it. Um, but Tong Jacques was actually moderately okay. I, whatever, I didn't see anything from him that really made me go, "Man, I'm so glad they replaced Ku with Tong Jacques." I there's something else going on there, I guess, but. I this team is just really hard to watch, and it one hundred percent centers around ex Pepe having fallen off a cliff compared to last year. It's not because Adam, Adam is terrible. We all knew he was going to be terrible, but Worlib was not amazing last year. Frederick was not amazing last year. It's not like they downgraded immensely in those two positions. You know, Jungle was probably an upgrade. Top lane was probably a slight downgrade. Okay. Like that should still even up. You, you were. It doesn't matter what the pieces were around him. Pepe and Andre were able to carry that team to the playoffs last year, and that's what you have to look at. Okay, uh, there's still these two carries that got into the playoffs last year. What's the problem? Oh, it's that Pepe isn't picking up the slack, and Pepe needs to be the primary carry. And I swear to God, their coach needs to get him on some poke champions. And I'm going to invoke something that's really weird. If you watch North American Challenger scene and you've watched it over the last year or so, there is this player in the North American Challenger scene by the name of Wolfie. He's gone as he's been the Wolf's Claw. He's played on a bunch of teams. He is now on enemy esports this year. He picks Zeroth into any matchup he wants. He will literally just pick Zeroth. Doesn't care does not care who he's going to play against, and he is an amazing Zeroth player. And I love players that are so good at one thing, and he's better at other champions. He's a really good Velkaz player, too. He's really good at these poke long-range mid laners, but he's shown he can play other champions. But I love the players that are so set, and I am so good at this skill, I will play it into my biggest counter. I do not care. If Pepe is this superstar of this team and is this amazing player that's going to carry them to the playoffs, he needs to tell his coach, I don't care what the matchups are, I want this champion, or I want this play style. And if it's a Zeroth, if it's a Varus, if it's Corky, if it's Ari, whatever, then he needs to put up or shut up, get on that champion, and carry this team. If not, this team is done. Yeah. And for, for, for the record, the only thing I will disagree with you on there, uh, I think Adam is a massive drop-off because Adam might be the worst top laner we've seen in a long time. I mean, he, he made Wonderware look okay. That's all you need to say, honestly. Uh, but other than that, I think you're completely right. Either ex-Pepe is going to step up or this team runs the risk of going 0-18. Because I don't 
I don't see a positive here. I mean, again, even if you like Adre more than I do, which is fine, I'll, I'll accept that I tend to, you know, especially on the team that desperately needs a hard carry, I think that dying as often as he has is a more fatal flaw. And a different team, I'd feel differently about him. But mm-hmm. with so many deaths on so many other ends of this team, I think that's a bigger liability. But you know what would help if Godfred was half of the player he was last split? I mean, we, we're barely even talking about how much his vision has gone off, his crowd control has gone off, his positioning has gone off. I mean, the guy looks like a shell of his former self. I mean, you might as well go back to, you know, spring of 2015. We're going back to the Rydal era, people. That's where we are right now in, as far as supports go for this Giants team. I am disappointed that this is where we are. I'm not surprised. I, you know, there were people who saw our original power rankings at the preseason and thought we were way too hard on Giants. I think we've proven that we got that one right. We may have gotten some others wrong, but we got that one about where it needed to be. And honestly, it's it's just a shame because, you know, this could have been ex-Pepe's moment. This could have been Audrey's moment. This could have been, you know, Ku's moment had he not completely screwed it up. Mm-hmm. And now here we are. And there's just very little to look forward to going forward. But we are going to move on ourselves out of this negativity that naturally comes when we talk about giants and we're going to talk about gambling lines which has been positive for me i'm five and one on the year in our gambling lines challenge uh smart money bets meanwhile were a little bit more negative we went one and two last week it is unfortunate uh you know i think giants over splice i we we thought giants were had to bounce back eventually apparently no no they do not uh, elements over unicorns of love. We didn't know how good Joko was going to be uh, in this kind of big spot with very little practice, but we did get G two over unicorns of love. So we are now officially five and four overall in Europe. And if you bet a hundred dollars on every smart money bet we gave you, you've made two hundred forty two dollars. So there's still value here. We're still in the black, and we're holding to that. <laughs> so I, I guess we just have to start with the first game of the week: elements versus vitality. Walter, where do you see the line for this game? Uh, I have Vitality at minus 195. Minus 195. You're going to get this by five points, and I hate you for it. I'll take it. Uh, I said Vitality minus 350. It is in between both of us. Vitality minus 270. Which is just such a shame, because there's no value now on either side of this. That's fair. That's super, super high, though. Like, I, you know me. I hate when, they, I hate when casinos go really, really high. You're going to hate this week if you think this is a high line. I'm oh, just God. warning you ahead. Of, I mean, yeah, I know. I, I'm already looking at this next one going, I did not go high enough then. If they're putting Vitality at minus 270 over Elements. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> we have not begun to get to the high lines. This, Jesus. Which, by the way, can we just say uh, week four is a perfect example of why you don't frontline all of your good games? Because <laughs> there are like two games worth watching if you're just a casual fan this week. Mm-hmm. I, why? Why would you do this? What's What's the benefit of this? If you're right, like, do, do they just want fans to get a week off to recharge? Is you know what? Is Is it just that the Super Bowl is this week on Sunday, and so they're afraid for all four days? They just need to wipe all this. Like, I have no explanation for this. I think it was. I I don't know. I actually <laughs> don't know. I have no clue. Whatever. But, I, but, I, <laughs> we we get into Giants versus Fanatic. I think we've said everything about Giants we could ever want to here. Uh, so what do you think the line is? I, I put Fanatic minus 400, and I know it's not high enough now. Oh, you put minus 400. Oh, you're good. We tied. Oh, okay. Uh, I said minus 400 as well. It is minus 455. So 
Minus 455. Yeah, okay. Giants plus 310, man. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not no. even in their wildest dreams. No. I, I, I'm just, I'm very sad that we're going to have to watch Ex Pepe versus Fabiven, but diluted versions of potentially both at this point, honestly. That, that matchup would have been about five times more exciting this time in the summer than it is now. And that's, yep. just, that's just such a shame. Uh, moving on to what I'm going to say is the game of the week for Europe. G2 versus Origin. Walter, what do you think this game comes down to at the end of the day? Because these are two teams, you know, Origin's trying to pick things back up. G2 proved themselves last week, I think, with two pretty decisive games. What are you, uh, what are it, you feeling going into this? It, it comes down to if G2 can get a big enough lead in the, in the solo lanes to make up for how well Zven has been playing. Uh, has been playing. I actually have a little note here uh, that I think is pretty pretty prevalent, and I think it's interesting. Uh, the protect the Zven compositions that Origin is running look a lot like old CLG. <laughs> yeah, they do. Like season four CLG, early season five CLG. That could be good. It could be bad. But I think it's interesting. But I have G two uh, as my as my favorite in this game at minus one sixty. You have G2 favored minus 160. Uh, I appreciate you giving me the free one there. Uh, I said origin minus 150. It's origin minus 164. Okay, this is smart money. This, yeah. this is straight up smart money. Though. Yeah, no, G2 plus 125 is... that. I, I saw that, and when? I already wrote it down Like when I saw the line. Okay. Uh, I, I have no, no explanation. Completely disagree with it. Completely disagree with it. Yeah, I, I, what did they do this week? They beat Rocket and Elements. Okay, congratulations. You beat two of the bottom four teams in the LCS. Like, I, they haven't shown us anything where G2 has only lost to H2K. Right. I will say this. This is my one concern. I mean, we're taking this line because I, I, I do agree with you. I think G2 should be favored here if we're just looking at best team. But there is one concern. Uh, in their game against the Unicorns of Love, Perks hit the Flame Horizon against Fox at the same time that Vizisachi hit it against Kikis, which I've never seen the Flame Horizon hit in the same game by two different players on opposite teams, which is, it's almost incredible. I, I, I think that it's, uh, it says so much about you know, those teams. And, and by the way, just for those who are curious, the AD carries were almost exactly even in CS throughout the game. It was a weird, weird game. But if Soaz decides to show up at some point this season, maybe that would be a concern. As of right now, I'm not that concerned, though. No. Because he nope. hasn't. Uh, and, and, and Amazing hasn't shown up either. So I think, I think Trick can influence the, the top lane way more than Amazing can at this moment. Amazing's kind of disappeared as well. It really does feel like this Venn show featuring four of his best friends, which is not something I thought we were going to say. Uh, heading into the season. But, you know, Origin tried playing around Power of Evil in Week 2, went really poorly. So I, I yeah. get what they're doing, but we'll see if it's as effective on Patch 6.2 as it was on Patch 6.1. Rockat versus the Unicorns of Love, which I guess we have to talk about now. Rockat has tabs coming in to replace Saphir. Walter, what do you think about this move? Uh, I think it's a, a an upgrade because Saphir has shown multiple times that he he's very inexperienced and he keeps getting caught out uh so i think it's an upgrade i think it should help transition their league leading early game according to tim seven who's in, uh, at oracle's elixir it should help translate that better into the mid to late game where they're one of the worst teams at uh so hopefully having this kind of experienced well positioning ad carry will help them out 
Uh, but I'm still iffy on Extinct. So I think the line is Unicorns of Love minus 190. You get this one. Okay. I am much lower on Rocket than you or the casinos are. I said minus 300. It's minus 222. And here's why I'm so low on this team. I, d- did we watch Tab's last split? Like, Tabs was not a great 80 carry, and I understand that maybe he's safer, and it, it does feel like maybe a slight upgrade in terms of what he does this year, but he's not a long-term answer at this position. And if you're Rockat, you're looking at, you know, what this team is right now, you're one in five. You, you know, you're not, Tabs does not fix that. Tabs does not fix any of the larger issues that are plaguing Rockat right now. The poor, you know, macro decisions, the, dreadful rotations, their inability to handle any lane swap, uh, vision control being off, objective control being off, airwalks being way too aggressive at in the mid to late game. I mean, none of that's getting better by the fact that we've added tabs in. I don't see what this accomplishes. At least with Sapphire, you give him an entire split of experience, and maybe he grows into something. Tabs, we already know exactly what he is. You get no value there. And, and what do you get? You get a couple extra wins, so you get to be the eight seed instead of the nine in relegations? I mean, that helps. That's very helpful. I wouldn't say very at this point. It's double elimination. I, I don't know. I, for me, I just feel like this is too early to pull that move. I understand Safir's been playing poorly, but I just don't see what you get. Like, what, what are you going to do in the immediate future if you're Rockat? You play Unicorns of Love and Fnatic this week. You're going to be one in seven regardless. I I disagree with that because we have no idea what the jungler for unicorns of like love is like. We have no idea what with Rudy showing up what he's going to do. Mm. We have no clue. So I don't think you can say that they're absolutely going to go. I think the game against Fnatic, yeah, it's probably a loss, no matter what they do. But we'll have to see. I like I said, I think that I their only hope is that bringing tabs in somehow helps them transition their early game success and their early game leads into victories. That's what, if I'm them, that I'm looking at is maybe bringing in this very, you know, very experienced AD carry who's not going to get caught out like Saphir is in team fights. Maybe adding that little bit of extra damage will help them win some of these mid to late game team fights and start, you know, turning around and controlling some objectives and, and et cetera, et cetera. Fair enough. I, I, I don't think of Tabs as a guy who excels in the kind of early game style that's been doing well for him. I, I, I'm not on board. I, I get that you have to do something. I just I don't feel like this move does enough to move the needle for me. But we'll move on. H2K versus Splice. Uh, obviously, one of these teams is really good, and one of them we talked about on the podcast earlier. <laughs> Where do you think the line is? I, I have H2K at minus 250. Okay, I get this one. Yeah, I'm too low. I said minus 400. It's minus 385. Which, I gotta be honest with you, I, this is just some hypotheticals here. If Selfie's still playing for H2K, which at this moment, uh, according yeah. to LOL Esports, is going to be the case. I'm going to stop. I'm going to cut you off. No. There's no chance. No chance. I, are you sure? Because Selfie's no not good at League of Legends. I, and, and then you realize Kabe has to lane against Forgiven. No chance. No chance. No chance. Oh, and Wonderware is <laughs> against Oduamne, who since Ryu left, Oduamne has been playing better. No chance. No. I'm not even going to let you say that sentence. <laughs> Embarrass yourself. <laughs> Really? You're going to consider for a moment going against God-Given? No! I'm, I'm never going to bet against God-Given. I just I wanted to point out that plus 270 no. is a hate bet against no, you're Selfie. Wrong. You're I, wrong! You're wrong! Okay. I'm telling you, you're wrong! I'm wrong. We're not doing it. I'm, leaving, no. I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. I just want you to know that I think Selfie is a very not good mid laner. 
And, and I you think, saying that is going to convince one person to gamble against Forgiven, and I'm going to feel terrible, <laughs> terrible about that. Guys, number one rule of gambling in Europe this year, don't bet against Forgiven. That's true. We do have that on our list of rules. We've said that before <laughs> on the pod. I, I'm not saying bet against Forgiven. I'm just saying I am very curious to see how Sankux handles Selfie, who I do not think was very good. Let's just go straight into the second Splice game because it's the first game of day two. G2 versus Splice. I, I'm I'm too low. G two minus two hundred. Take it. I I will take that one. Thank you. God damn. I said minus two fifty. It's minus two eighty six. How excited are we for Perks versus Sencox finally coming to fruition? It's gonna be good time. It's gonna be fun. I can't I can't wait to see Trick just absolutely wipe the floor with Trashy. Well, it's going to be phenomenal. See, that's the problem, right? Is I get this feeling like we're going to hype this up. Like, oh my God, the two new EU mid laners. This is so exciting. Can't wait to see how they match up. And then this game's going to actually turn into trick ganks Kickus, you know, for Kickus like three times in the first 15 minutes. Gets Kickus incredibly ahead of Wonderware. Emperor just goes ham on Nakabi and Nisbeth. Yep. And the mid lane just doesn't matter. Yeah, like, that's, that's much more likely to be the way this game yeah. goes down. That's fine. That, that's absolutely. I'm totally okay with that. G, G2 at this moment is looking phenomenal. They look I'm, great. I'm all. I'm all for having G2 towards the, you know one of the best teams at the end of the split, opposed to Origin or Fnatic. I'm all for it. If G2 can beat Origin this week and they end up being seven and one, I think it would be the most shocking start to a season since we saw Millennium go five and zero oh in week one and then just completely blow it within the next couple weeks. Uh, it's it's weird because the way G2 is doing it is sustainable, which is something we haven't seen with teams that go out of, come out of nowhere as a general rule. Cloud9 is very offended that you went to Millennium and not Cloud9. Yeah, well, first of all, Millennium came after Cloud9, thank you very much, when they made their run. So I said the last time. So uh, we do have to I go in sequential order. And second of all, Cloud9 Season 3, I refuse to count as any example of a young team coming in and doing anything because no one had any idea what they were doing yet. As far as infrastructure, coaching, <laughs> watching film, there's no. Look at the games. Go back. Do yourself a favor. People who are nostalgic about the early days of League of Legends, go back and watch any season three LCS game. I dare you. I dare you. And then come back and tell me how much of a clown fiesta last week was. That's what. That's my challenge to you, podcast listeners. Like, oh my god, Cloud9 went twenty five and three. I'm like, yeah, they played Velocity four times. <laughs> And Velocity wasn't even supposed to be that terrible going into the season. Like, they weren't – I'm just saying. It was a different world. We lived – you know, they had to hike uphill both ways in the snow to get to the LCS. That's – I'm going to be the old grandpa about this. I swear to God. We're going to move forward. Elements versus H2K. One of these teams is good, and it's not Elements. What do you think the line is? H2K minus 250. Okay, I had to do some maths. I do get this one, but not by as much as you think. I said minus 400. It's only minus 333. There's some respect from elements there, which I'm not sure why, because last week happened. That's more them saying that elements is 52 points better than splice, I guess. Uh, yeah. That's really what that tells me number wise. Eh, whatever. Yeah, I, that's, it's still fair. a high number that there's no value gambling on because it's forgiven. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and I'm not even going to try with Ica versus selfie. See, that's the, like, there's no argument there. Uh, Unicorns of love versus vitality. Uh, obviously, uh, we do not, you know, we don't know what Rudy's going to be. Vitality has a lot of good things going for him right now. Where do you think the line is? I have it at Vitality minus 180. Okay. 
you get this one, you jerk. You absolute jerk. <laughs> because I said minus 170 and it's minus 179. You got it really exactly. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not okay with this. This is not how I wanted to go down. Interesting. I, I mean, there really don't seem like there are a lot of great smart money bets this week. There are a lot of what should be blowouts. So finding value is going to be difficult. I guess if you believe that Rudy can be anything, you look at this matchup here and you say, well, maybe Vizisachi can, can at least keep even with Cabochard. And, and maybe you know, if, they, if the two for two can work, then suddenly you're, you're hoping that you know, Fox gets on a comfort champion. Nuke Duck isn't handed one of the couple power picks that he has. It's, it's in play, especially given the way that Vitality has kind of played this slower, more methodical style that you know, uh, the Unicorns of Love can take advantage of if they play with that signature aggressive style they've had so far. But it's really hard to say for certain that they're going to be able to keep that up. Mm-hmm. So... We'll have to look, and hopefully one of these next two gives us something. Uh, Origin versus Giants. Uh, Where do you think the line is here? I have Origin at minus 350. Okay, you and I split this one. I said minus 350 as well. We both went way too low. It is minus 476. Fair enough. That's fair. Yeah, I'm not arguing with it. I I thought that maybe we were going to go lower on Origin because they haven't been great. Mm -hmm. I don't know why... They're more favored against Origin than Fnatic is, for instance. I, I not you know in a huge way, but I, I would not say that Origin's better than Fnatic. So yeah, but but other than that, I, I think it's fair. I wouldn't take Giants at plus three twenty, and I wouldn't take Giants against just about anybody at this point. Uh, Rock Hat versus Fnatic. This is your chance, Walter. You need this one. If you if you get this one, you'll tie me for the week. If you do not, then I will get it. I'm not going to get it because I have Fnatic minus 200. You do get it. Congratulations. Are you sh- I, I want to make this clear, Walter. Okay. I, I do not like this Rocket team right now. That's fine. Having you don't have, have to. I've watched them six times now. And, you know, the first one was exciting, right? They pulled off that win against Vitality. I wasn't expecting. It was this beautifully aggressive play. And just, you know, week after week, starting from the splice loss, that's when I knew, like, this, this season is over. There's nothing to look forward to. It's not going to get better. Fair enough. I don't think Rockat's a good team. I don't understand why they're getting any credit from anyone at 1-5, in five, especially against Fnatic. I had Fnatic minus 400. It's minus that's- 294. So you won that one by six points. I, why is Rockat getting any respect from anybody? They're not good. Uh, I mean, statistically, they're the best early game team in the LCS. And the worst late game team, by far. And the games I mean, don't end after 15 minutes, last time I checked. I mean, yeah, that's true. But again, they're still, like, you can't say that they're total garbage because they're able to play so well in the early game. Well, all I can say is this. Next week, Rockat is the last team we haven't talked about yet, so we'll get to go a full dive into Rockat. Oh, Betsy. I love Betsy. You have no idea the depths of despair I'm going to be going to to prep for that podcast because it just – I'm going to go over every single one of these games and it, it's just it, – it's going to hurt a little more every time. That's just kind of where we are at this point. Why do you hurt yourself so? Well, I'm a, I'm a Rocket fan. It comes with the territory. <laughs> but that's it for our, our lines for the week. So we got to come up with some smart money bets. G2 got, over Orion. Yeah, we got that one. But what are the other two? 
I'm actually going to say Rocket over Unicorns of Love. I knew you were going to say that, and I don't have a great counterargument other than the fact that I think Rocket is terrible. Yeah. But I don't know what the other line is that we would take. And if you assume that Rudy is bad, then it's in play. Yeah. Um, and then, but then we have to like that. That's the thing. There are no other good lines. The only other good line would then be saying, "Okay, but they somehow figure Unicorns Love somehow figured out and beat Vitality on day two. Yeah, but a plus one thirty five. I don't think that's enough. Do you think? Man, this is this is so. Do I think Elements beats Vitality? No, no. but could Splice upset G two? Is G two overdue for a loss? No. I don't think so. If they're going to lose, they're going to lose to Orion. They but, won't lose. So you don't place. think this could be a classic Overlook game? No. Nope. Not a chance. Don't. I don't think so at all. They because they're playing Origin on day one. So I, then they have that. They have all day. They have all the entire evening of day one, and they have. They they have. They'll be prepared. Should we just Joey take Youngbuck will have this team prepared for Splice? I guarantee it. <laughs> Joey Youngbuck coming through in the clutch. You know what? Should we just pick? Uh, Vitality minus 179 against Unicorns of Love? Like, I know it's not a ton of value, but on this week, I literally don't know what else to recommend other yeah. than take the heavy favorites. Yeah. I mean, they're the least heavy favorites left. Yeah. So, we'll we'll cheat on that one, but we look, we try to find three value bets for you guys every week. Mm-hmm. It's not our fault that Riot Front loaded the schedule like this. Yeah, but there's, there's, not, there's not a ton of value here. I would say these are the three games you do gamble on, period. Yeah. Uh, e- either side, because these have the the best odds. Of course, if you get the chance to parlay, side. you got to take it. But we don't do parlays on this podcast. What we do do, however, is release podcasts all the time for you guys. You go to soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts or find us on iTunes if you search rough drafts under podcasts. Uh, you can find all of our stuff there. We upload European previews every Wednesday, North America previews every Friday, uh, and we are constantly trying to get more interviews and things for you guys. We have a couple things that are planned for the near future that we're very excited to show for you guys. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at RedshirtKing, and I am constantly live tweeting during all the European games, so please come follow along and talk to me during that. Uh, Walter, where can people find you and your stuff? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL and the brand new SlingshotEsports.com. Our website officially is live. So head on over there. Check out my EU and North American power rankings every week. Perfect. So thank you guys so much for listening. And until Friday when we'll break down North America. Goodbye, Internet.